Well, this is it. It's Friday, and everybody knows when it's Friday, it's time to go inside EMS. I am your host, Chris Sabalero, and with me in the New York State, the Empire State, the newest Jet fan, Kelly Grayson. KG, how you doing? I don't know if I can be a Jet fan. You know, I, I'm, I, uh, I just, boy, my my interest waned when Drew Brees retired, uh, and and both the Manning boys. So, that was like in the Reagan administration. That was forever. Oh, shut up. Drew Brees so, only been retired a couple of years. So yeah, it's it's a whole it's a whole new world, right? So, um, you know, Kelly, I mean, one of the things that I want to talk about first is about this time. Mm-hmm. You and it's I that time of the year are hitting a milestone of almost two million listeners two million listeners two million dollars so <laughs> we you know we started this show <clears throat> over 10 years ago and uh we had two listeners it was my mom and your mom yeah, yeah. and um and it was fun because my mom has been passed since 94 so mine too yeah, mine yeah so too. she was they weren't they really were in, listening to us they were both in heaven talking crap about us that's right <laughs> and um but uh two million listeners man two million listens that's that's not uh, listeners but listens that's that's a pretty good number i like it you know just shows that uh well i mean we're tremendously privileged excuse me i haven't had my coke zero um we're tremendously privileged to have the uh, listener base that we do. So, yeah. And it's funny that, um, you know, when we first talked about this show, we were together at conference in mm-hmm. Missouri and Artsia yep. was with us, which was unusual. Uh, yep. for him I got to see here. art in uh, Reno. Yep. Oh, did you? Yeah. And yep. uh, we talked and we sat around and we talked about the premise of the show. And I actually pitched this show to our good friend and EMS one columnist, Chris Call at the time he had a little bit of uh of uh, persuasion inside of EMS1 yeah and I said how about this show and uh he said yeah so I actually had to send him a thank you and a and a notice um yeah. when we were getting close <laughs> to 2 million because it was his uh he assisted us with the vision of making this show yeah. happen and now here we are a decade later with over 600 shows Two million listens. Uh, Six hundred shows. Two million listens. We're an institution. We should be. We've yeah, been I mean, saying we... for years that we've been we need to be institutionalized. We're, exactly. We're so now look at us. Like... But anyway, congratulations to you, Kelly, thank and uh, you. to our listeners. I want to thank you so much for uh, making the show very successful. And uh, you know, we do this. Uh, as two paramedics sitting in a truck talking about everything that is going on inside of EMS. And uh, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you guys. And, uh, you know, at our core, we're educators, right? And we want to make sure that people feel comfortable. Uh, they understand the things that uh, they don't admit that they understand. And, um, you know, over the past 10 years, we brought some great stories. We've had some great conversations. We've had some awesome guests. Uh, we've yeah. fought. We've laughed. Um, we may have swore a couple times, but, uh, you guys uh, that are out there, guys and girls that are listening, um, just our great thanks to you for allowing us to do this. And you visiting with us every week is, as Kelly said, it's a true, it's a true honor for us. Yeah. 
we're, it's a it's a testament to uh, how effective two blowhards be pressing the refresh button two million times. That's right. It took a long. It took ten years to do it. That's right. So, so you know, we talked about uh, we started this at conference, right? We talked about yeah. we were at the ICE conference, which is an instructor conference in Missouri at the Lake of the Ozarks. And uh, you and I were sitting around in a couple of rocking chairs, uh, if my memory serves me correct, with a little fire going mm -hmm. on. Yeah, Art was there and he was really kind of taking us to task a little bit about how are we going to make this different or what we need to do to make this different. And uh, we didn't really have answers at that time. But when we would talk about this from the conference standpoint, that's going to be the topic that we're going to talk about today. Your own Nancy McGee, you hear, often hear Kelly talk about Nancy, Nancy, and Nancy says, and Nancy, and Nancy, and Nancy says, and Nancy, and Nancy says, <laughs> and um, she'd be happy to hear that. And it sounds just like that too to me. It's just it's just that noise. Well, Nancy, <laughs> and, and Nancy, but uh, she is a great writer. She is an expert in rural and volunteer EMS. Um, she is your better half as well. Yeah. But she wrote a great article that came out last week on September first or it might've been two weeks ago by now and uh, 10 reasons to attend EMS conferences. And, you know, Kelly, you and I had the opportunity to develop this show based on what we were talking about at conference yeah. and her byline uh, or the, uh, uh, you know, the subtitle is the long-term yeah. benefits of conference attendance and why it's especially important to volunteer uh, for volunteer EMS agencies. Very and, much so. you know, her expertise is really trying to, to, you know, allow the em uh, the volunteer agencies to have a voice and to be yeah. their voice as well so we always give cheers to nancy for the work that she does sometimes i think like the volunteers uh the work that she does in the volunteer world seems that it doesn't get the credit that it deserves yeah so but you know she talks about 10 reasons kelly we thought it would be cool to talk about yeah. that you and i go to conferences on a regular basis uh, pretty soon we have EMS, uh, expo coming up, which will be, yep. uh, starting on the 18th of September. So, um, number one, she says is get out of your comfort zone. Human beings are inherently, um, you know, they're not comfortable being outside their, uh, they're tribalistic. Mm -hmm. They're not comfortable when they get outside their comfort zone. And one of the things that you have to remember too, is that when you leave your comfort zone, you have to be very, very careful that you don't develop a new comfort zone because that's usually what happens. Yeah. But what do you think about number one? It gets you outside your comfort zone. I, I've i said this, uh, or I've heard this uh, a thousand times, uh, maybe more. Um, she's she's a big one of, of, about preaching against silos. And you got to tear down your silos and collaborate and cooperate and work with other agencies. Um, if you've seen one EMS squad, you've seen one EMS squad. And way too many volunteer agencies, for that matter, even even paid and, and large municipal agencies know their way of doing things. And they kind of stagnate or they run the risk of stagnating if they don't get outside their own little bubble and see the way other agencies are doing things. And the, the networking, you, you've said this as many times I have, Chris, uh, the thing that's really awesome about EMS conferences is the networking and the the uh, the friends you make and the connections you make that help you see EMS from a broader perspective. And that's part of her mantra in, in uh, consulting with volunteer agencies is, is uh, look, what you've been doing it's not working anymore and you got to explore new avenues and, and new solutions 
Uh, I'm not going to tell you the same old things. One of the ways to do that is to seek out what has worked at other agencies and don't tell yourself, well, I'll never work where I am. Uh, but uh, you got to get out of your side of your comfort zone. And it's got to be uh, if you're not uncomfortable uh, or if you if you feel like you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And and that's the the gist of that. I think that uh, that's great advice uh, that not only volunteers should uh, should know, all of us should follow. Let's talk, talk about number two. Be inspired. Uh, she talks about the keynote speakers, and uh, she's not talking about me. Uh, I would like her to. Uh, but when you you go to these conferences, go hit the keynote speeches because they're the guys that are are um, there to to fan the flames of and, and rejuvenate you and, and get you inspired to go out and learn and and the closing keynote speakers uh want you to to uh to leave with uh with a good feeling and and eager to bring the lessons uh, from the conference back to your squad and a lot of these these guys you know we're, we're talking like uh the scotty bollarders of the world and the and the ken bouviers and me occasionally and and other major speakers uh, i listened to dan batesy at at uh the namesy conference who was just just phenomenal um talking about a very deep subject but the enthusiasm is infectious and and if you can't get enthused about what you're what you're doing every day on an ambulance what's the point you know yeah. but sometimes we lose we lose sight of that uh in the drudgery of the everyday work uh and and the only people you talk to are the other guy on the truck uh after a while it turns into a bitch fest and and uh it, it helps nice. to uh to get inspired by seeing seeing things from the outside don't you think yeah and chris sabalero too i mean he's he's a speaker chris sabalero is 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 a very engaging and dynamic. And I'm actually going to be speaking speaker. at EMS Expo this year. I got two classes: one on uh, uh, becoming a person of influence, and the other one is everybody communicates but few connect. But one of the other things about being inspired is not just about what you're learning from the speakers, but what you see. And yeah. you see the pride of people who walk around in their uniforms, and you see the pride yep. of people who are, uh, you know, meeting new people, and that's inspiring as well to me. But uh, and that goes into number three, meet influential people, you know, the myth and dogma trends to surround the discussions of protocol, law, best practices. And, you know, you get to meet, you know, not only the people that have developed a reputation in EMS, you know, the Kelly Graysons and the Dan Limmers and, you know, the, the folks that are um, guiding our career field. But you know what? You meet influential people who are doing the same work that you're doing um that may have best practices or that yes. may have different takes you know i gotta tell you man in all the years that i've been in ems i don't know that i've ever had a problem in my agency in my system in my department that someone else didn't have yeah and, and, and probably know, thought of an answer to it. exactly so instead of me sitting there racking my brain to try to figure out you know when you're sitting around and people are there i've walked up to a group of people sitting and said can i interject something what are you guys doing for your new employee orientation? What are you guys doing? Yeah. And these guys didn't know me. I wound up shaking their hands and, you know, thanking them for their time. But you know what? They had information for me. They had some great stuff. So when we talk about meeting influential people, and remember, to me, the definition of leadership is the ability to influence. That's right. Um, 
It's just leaders being leaders. Yeah. You're one of the best uh, persons to go to an EMS conference with was Lou Jordan, uh, a legend in EMS. And man, when you, you walk around an exhibit with Lou, uh, you, you could move 10 feet before he's introducing you to another EMS legend. He'd say, hey, Kelly, this is Walt's story. Kelly, this is Dan Limmer. And Kelly, you know, Brian Bledsoe and, and this and that. And you're just agog, uh, starstruck by, by all these guys who are, are legends in our career field, deservedly so, because they devoted so much time and and effort and and their talents, their considerable talents, uh, to moving EMS forward. And we often think of these people as as you know some uh, ivory tower types, but but uh, most of them are are you know, have the, the, the soul of a paramedic beating within the heart of a paramedic beating in their chest. And, and uh, it was great going to, to EMS conferences with Lou, because if Lou Jordan introduced you, you were de facto one of the cool kids. You were right, you know, and, yeah. and the same, same holds true with, uh, you know, we, we go around to uh, exhibit halls at conferences and, and uh, introduce each other to our acquaintances and, and uh, man, the bigger network, if you can get people like Dan Limmer, uh, Brian Bledsoe, Walt Stoy, Greg Margolis, uh, the Bill Browns, and the Dan Bays, and and, uh, and these influential EMS leaders into your personal circle, you know, um, who better to learn from and to bounce ideas off of? And, and that sort of networking is priceless. You're always leaving me out of those names, man. You're always leaving me out of those I names. Did, no, I said Whatever, you, man. you Whatever. and I go pipe into the, these yeah, things, pipe man. Pipe down, man, pipe down. Let's go ahead and, <laughs> let's go ahead and, and uh, skip a couple. And I love her number six, um, progress and impact. And yeah. I think that one of the things that happens here is um, there are people who are doing the work inside organizations that are far more advanced than you are and whether they're doing ultrasound in the field or whether they're doing remember back in we started to do interosseous infusions back in the day in the sternum remember we we're doing them in the sternum and oh yeah the you know last one yeah and who's doing uh txa and you know who's carrying plasma and you know and really when you start to think about what's going on inside of your career field it gives you a little bit of uh, excitement that my, why can't we be doing those things too? And really when it comes down to it, your medical director needs to be comfortable. If your medical director isn't comfortable, it probably has something to do with the trust that they have in the yeah. educational process or the trust that they have in the paramedics and EMTs that are working in the system. <clears throat> but one of the things that I think you have the ability to address is, Hey, wait a minute. Did you know that so-and-so EMS system is not using lights and sirens anymore, period, for transport or for, yeah. uh, you know, for transport to the hospital or whatever it is. But I think that when you hear those, it inspires you to say, you know what, we're not a bad EMS system because we're doing all this stuff that this other agency is doing. Or, yeah. hey, you know what, we've got some great room for growth. Yeah. And, and you know, the, these, uh, there are very few new problems under the sun. And, and and if you're privileged to work in an EMS system run by one of these progressive medical directors who, uh, you know, a data geek like Jeff Jarvis, who's who's constantly looking to better their performance in certain areas to the point where he he's looking at things that none of the rest of us have thought to look for yet. Uh, and, and as a result, 
you know, his the agencies he's associated with, uh, they tend to turn out stellar paramedics and, and render uh, excellent care. Uh, but once again, you know, we, we have so many agencies out there. We're preaching to the choir here because I'm telling you things that you know from from going to conferences and and as do I but the vast majority of EMS isn't going to those conferences and they aren't hearing things like uh apneic oxygenation and uh um, how oxygen is a potent vasoconstrictor and you don't slap a non-rebreather mask on your MI patient or your stroke patient anymore and you shouldn't have for the last 20 years but they're still doing that thing and and Nancy repeats this phrase a lot uh, it's a quote from Rear Admiral Grace Potter. Uh, said the 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 worst uh, phrase in any bureaucracy is that we've always done it this way, or that's the way we've always done it. Um, we we can get too complacent, and it, unless you look at places uh, or, or listen to people who have are asking hard questions that you may not have even thought of, uh, you don't know where you stand as far as uh, the quality of the care and the education you have and that sort of thing. So uh, a lot of these, you know, I, I'm going to give a shout out to, to gathering of Eagles. There's an example. You know, I've, I've disparaged gathering of Eagles uh, more than a few times on this podcast, but um, there's no denying that, that a great many of the, the medical directors of our nation's largest EMS systems are also pretty, pretty progressive thought leaders. Uh, and they're addressing things that many of the rest of us are are kind of lagging behind on. So if you want to see where EMS is going rather than where it is right now, you, you look to those guys. But Nancy's, Nancy's seventh point that out really stands out to me, it stands out to me because I think she stole it from me, is stewardship. Uh, I have I have said a million times that that part of your job as a seasoned provider in EMS is to be a steward of your profession and pass on the knowledge capital that you've gained and the good habits and work to stomp out those bad habits and that myth and dogma, just like a, uh, an NCO uh, in the military. You know, the, the NCOs are the keepers of the flame. Uh, the officers come and go, but, but those old time sergeants, uh, they, they keep on the traditions and they're the backbone of the military and, and those seasoned EMTs and medics are the backbone of your service. Uh, uh, it's hard to remember to be a, a steward of your profession when you're worrying about your next paycheck or uh, the next dialysis patient or the next trauma call. But um, being reminded by going to these conferences is uh, it's a good thing. You know, I think that is something I want to add to stewardship and stewardship really is part of the uh, elements of servant leadership as well. Tell yes, them what's a servant leadership, and one of the, and it's a hard it's a hard word to define. Yeah. But the way that I talk about it is, it's not just sharing your knowledge, but it really is leaving the career field better than you found it. What is yep. your responsibility to ensure that EMS, your agency, your truck, your partners are better? when you leave than when you showed up. So th this is stewardship is holding something in trust for someone. And yeah. for our career field, what is it that you do that allows you to take the next step and ensure that we've grown our career field? So yeah. uh, number eight, invest in yourself and your agency. I, I want to touch on this. This is something that's really close to me right now. 
um, we don't we don't get better. It just doesn't happen that you get better. You actually have to plan on how to get better. You actually have to work on getting better. Sitting in your chair and watching Jeopardy at, you know, in the afternoon doesn't necessarily get you better. And this is one of the things that we do not take advantage of. We have to be able to develop a plan. We have to be able to understand our strengths. We have to be able to know our weaknesses, how our weaknesses affect our strengths, how our strengths, uh, you know, are messed up by our weaknesses. Um, but it has to be something that you're working towards. Yeah. Growth doesn't happen by chance. I'm going to be a better person tomorrow. Not unless you work at it, you're not. And yeah. when we talk about investing in yourself, you get the opportunity to go to classes and hear great speakers and let them share their thoughts and science. Now, just because somebody says that this is the way to intubate somebody or this is the best yeah. way to start an IV or let me tell you about how to use this, this new system doesn't mean you have to follow that to the letter either. That's yeah. their interpretation of the clinical science that you can say, oh, right. I like that, or I don't like that, or whatever that is. Um, but you know what? You're putting yourself in a position to get better. You're putting yourself in a position to learn. You're putting yourself in a position to gain experience. You may not do anything with it, but you know what? You're investing in yourself. Yeah. Well, you know, you, uh, you don't get better just by experience if that were true then then some of those medics with 20 years of ex with one year of experience repeated 20 times would be more clinically proficient knowledgeable than they are um what's the saying you know uh just because people have done it a certain way for a long time doesn't make it right and if you've practiced the wrong way for 20 years all you've done is get gotten really good at doing something the wrong way spinal immobilization and and, and these sort of things but when you get in that comfort zone and you and you get complacent, you you don't ask those hard questions like, yeah, I'm really, really good at procedure A, but I've never asked, is procedure A really necessary? Should I be doing it another way? Uh, should I be doing it at all? Uh, is it necessary in the pre-hospital environment? And those are tough questions to ask. And it takes a lot of self-reflection and, and uh, um, a little... Uh, um emotional intelligence to use your word uh to, to look at yourself like that you but, listen to me but but it's true you know yeah, no, uh, and, and if you're gonna if you're going to invest in yourself you have to take risks and and moving back up the list to getting out of your comfort zone that's one of those risks you have to take let's let's look at the last one here join an association or work to launch a new one and she lists the major EMS advocacy agencies and, and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, I've been members of them. I have been disgruntled with them. Uh, I have, I have um, worked hard in some of them and other ones I've refused to join. But the fact of the matter is, is history is made by the people who show up, you know, and, and one of the things that you still irks me to this day is, is people saying, they, you know, they, they're going to change the protocols or, or they're pushing for this or that. And, and, and so always this amorphous nebulous, they like these people don't really, uh, they, they don't know where all this is coming from. Like you have no say in the matter. And, and the exact opposite is true. If every EMT 
in the United States belong to the National Association of EMTs and every educator belonged to NAMESEAT and so on and so forth, they would be putting out position papers. You know, they would be saying things to elected leaders and hearing things back like, yes, and 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 how much, how many millions or billions of dollars in grant money would you like this year? Because, uh, you know, our, our, our effectiveness is limited by the small portion of us that actually participate on a national scale. And that's back to stewardship of your profession. Uh, it, it puts some skin in the game and and make some effort to to uh, have your voice heard. Otherwise, you're going to be one of those people who uh, changes happen to rather than one that, who gets to help influence those changes. Yeah, I think one my of the things cents. one of the things that irritates me the most is people are saying, "What do I get for my money?" And um, one of the things that I've talked the McDonald's about, mentality that's that's what I hate. Yeah, one of the things that I've talked about for years and years. I'm talking about going back to probably 1989 is when I started to say this. If you consider yourselves to be professional, we have to belong to a professional organization. Yes. And, you know, for the 35 or $40 it costs to to be a member of NAMT or whatever it is, you know, yeah. you get some pretty sweet things. I mean, you get some pretty, you know, I just bought, uh, you know, I got money off my college tuition uh, because I was a member of NEMT. I got, yeah. you know, a discount at 511. I get $10,000 worth of life. It's big deal. 10,000. Yeah. Well, you know what? $10,000 can cover my my funeral expenses and you know my family can spend my money in other areas but you know for the and for the, the premium on, on that policy is more than than what you you pay for uh, a year's dues but but more importantly if if we're in this possession uh, profession and we consider ourselves to be professional we've got to support our professional organization and we've got to be able to ensure that we have a voice when the voice becomes needed and, yeah. you know, I've been I've been a member of NAMT since 1999. I've been a member of the EMS, uh, National EMS Management Association. Uh, and again, trying to help the leaders do a better job. But really, it, we need to be able to stand, support the organizations who are out there to support us. And I got to tell you, man, I encourage you just to give it a shot. Spend your $40 or however much it is to join NAMT and just see what they do. But the more people, as you said, Kelly that are members, it gives them more juice to be able to say, this is what we want and this is what we're going to be able to get. Yeah. Imagine if NAEMT uh, had the clout of IAFF or IAFC. Um, it could happen. There's plenty of us if we would just join uh, and make our voices heard. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Um, what do you get out of going to a conference? Why should you go? Uh, but for myself and my co-host, Chris Ceballero, and our subject of today's talk, my better half, Nancy McGee, y'all go read her stuff. It's great. Uh, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. Going to catch you guys next week. Bye.